What is up, everyone? Welcome to There Can Only Be One, the podcast that makes the all-star best of of your favorite artists. Now, when we made this podcast, there were a few bands that were on the top of our list of episodes that needed to be done because there's music that you need to, to either learn about or listen to. On the very top of that list was one of my favorite bands of all time, Harem Scarum. And here to join me for this episode is none other than the axe slinger of Harem Scarum himself, Pete Lesperance. Pete, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? I'm feeling great, Jason. How are you? Axe slinger. I like that. <laughs> well, you know. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am doing really, really good. So, Pete, as, as we're going through this list, and there's going to be a few albums here, um, how was it for you just kind of going through the entire discography saying, oh, yeah, there's that song, and then there's that song? Well, as I said, even to you before we started, it, it was interesting because I had to I had to prep because I literally haven't listened to any of these records in years and years. And I'm, to be honest, to God, truth, other than the very obvious ones, I don't even remember what's on the records. So I have to go back and check to see which were my favorite songs. So I did that. Yeah. <laughs> So for our listeners now, just to give you a bit of the rules of what we're going to be doing here, we are about to go through all 15 of Harem Scarum's studio albums, picking only one song, our favorites from each of those albums. I'm going to be talking as little as possible because Pete is the star of this show for this one here. For the record, we are going to be avoiding live albums. We're also going to avoid uh, the acoustic EP and the re-recorded Mood Swings 2 because the, both, the songs were great on both albums, so we're only going to do Mood Swings 1. But we're going to start at the very beginning with the self-titled Harem Scarum album released August 6th, 1991. The album peaked at number 68 on the Canadian album charts. There were five singles off of this album, the biggest being Slowly Slipping Away that hit number 25 on the Canadian charts. I personally went with Hard to Love, but Pete, I'd love to know what song off of this first album you have on your list. Um, you know what? My favorite song on this, I, I ended up with Distant Memory, actually. Okay. What is it about that song? Well, I think I, I really, I've always kind of liked just the melodic content of the tune. I mean, whatever the, the lyrics are, what they are, but the melodic content I always thought was kind of cool. I liked the main riff. I thought it was pretty, the way things moved around. And it's probably, frankly, because I have great memories of playing this song live, because in the beginning, this was a song where I would just, I would kind of branch out and they would just play those two chords around and around and I would kind of do my thing. Um, so I just, pro I remember a lot of really great live shows just where I could do, that was kind of my solo moment. So it's probably a, a lot of that too, but I just, I mean, a lot of the songs, frankly, when I look back on them, they're not, uh, they don't ring my bell at all anymore. So that one, I, it was basically picking the best of the worst for me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Not that I don't like them, but it was a different time, you know? Like, you got to look back on stuff from 30 or more years ago and, and really judge it harshly. <laughs> well, the, the fascinating thing I find, and especially with Distant Memory, because there is a really, really just a sweet guitar line in that. When you're approaching these songs, you know, to me, your guitar has almost been its own vocal component to a lot of these songs. How are you approaching these songs with your guitar lines? Well, that's kind of always been the order of the day for me anyway, I think, since the beginning is, um, you know, uh, not really just about shredding or any, anything like that. I mean, it, the guitar solos, I, I've taken, I think, uh, the nod from guys like Randy Rhodes and, um, you know, Betancourt, of course. 
um, the the song the uh, guitar souls were always like a little mini song within the song kind of thing so they've all got their own melodies they don't usually just repeat the same pattern as another part of the song um and it was always about that always about singability always about it being something that melodically is memorable i mean that's the only thing that really matters um to me in guitar playing speed and all that there's there's kids that are 10 years old that are, are play faster and more technically than i ever will or ever could have you know like so that's not really a thing it's really more about what you're saying i think if anything that's uh, that's what i always focus on and again it shouldn't be surprising i guess we're guitar players that's what we're trying to do i would hope is connect with people so <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the 30th anniversary of mood swings this album was released june 11th 1993 the album hit number 83 on the canadian charts there were three singles off of this one the highest being no justice which peaked at number 59 on the canadian charts and this seemed like a like a really big release for you guys with no justice out there personally I picked Saviors Never Cry off this one, but celebrating the 30th anniversary for this one for you, um, how does that feel right now? It feels like we just celebrated the 20th anniversary five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, that's what we did, actually. That is when we... Oops, sorry. Things are breaking right here. Um, that is when we did the actual... Uh, the re re-record of Mood Swings was for the 20th anniversary. So uh, it's crazy. It's just crazy to think we've been making music that long. And I literally still remember, remember making it like it was yesterday. So it's, uh, it's cool. It's cool that we've been around that long. We're still viable to anybody. <laughs> I'm just happy we still have people that are into it and listening and we do. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing for me. So if you had to pick one song off of Mood Swings for your list, what song would that be? Uh, that would be if there was a time. Okay, okay. I, I I will point out, of course, that there's uh, one song on here called Mandy, which is you know fully instrumental. Uh, but if there was a time, what is it about this song for you? Um, again, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's uh, it's just something. It, it, it wear it wore on me less quickly than everything else. That's the only the way I can describe it. In the end, I'm left with. Um, the essence of songs and how they make me feel. And for whatever reason, this one just elevates to the top on this record for me, even though like justice is a fun tune and did very well for us career wise. And Mandy is still hanging around and I love it. It's a, it's a big part of what I've done, I guess, but it's still just for me, if I had to right away, if I had to pick a song, just, I love Harry's vocal performance on it. I like the guitar solo. I just, it just, it's just a standout track to me. And I always like the mid-tempo ones, too. The rockers are, they can get pretty bonehead, you know what I mean? They can get pretty, like, it really fences you in. I just, I, I've just always been fascinated with that mid-tempo where it's not a ballad, but it's not fast. And it just gives you a lot of space, I think, um, creatively and as a guitar player, uh, musically. Next up was Voice of Reason, released September 25th, 1995. There was one single off of this one. Uh, that's the song Blue. For me, off of this one, because the the album felt a, a bit of a shift from Mood Swings, I went with End That's All because this one, to me, kind of felt like it, it, the song could have been part of like a musical or a concept album. But for Voice of Reason, what song did you go with? Well, it's funny that you say that about it being a musical or a concept album. Um, really, when I wrote, like, a good chunk of this record and especially the song and that's all funny that you picked up on that um i was i was watching i had just watched a tim burton the nightmare before christmas 
And the music in that show is so creepy and weird and cool. And I went, what if I smashed that together with Alice in Chains? And that's kind of where, and that's all came from. That's literally where that song came from. So um, it's cool that you picked that one out. But uh, uh, yeah, I think off that one, I just went with Blue. It's, it's, I think it just has meaning for me because it was a cool video done by Floria Sigismundi, who ended up being a, a huge video director. She did all the crazy, great Marilyn Manson stuff. And actually, I believe David Bowie used her after he saw the video she did for Blue, to, I believe. Uh, I know it's crazy. It's the closest we've ever come to famous. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyway, I went with Blue. That that video is absolutely phenomenal. I remember when that came on Much Music, you know, when Much Music still played videos. Um, that's that song. I was really impressed with how that video came came uh, came out. Uh, next up, this is where it got tough for me because the next couple of albums uh, are some of my favorite harem scarum albums of all time. Karma Cleansing, released in May of 1997, but in Japan, the CD was called Believe and had a slightly different track listing. There were two singles off of this one, Die Off Hard and Rain. It took me a bit to pick off this one, but I ended up going with the actual title track, Karma Cleansing. How about for you? How, how, or what song did you go with? I went with Karma Cleansing as well. Ah, we actually mixed, uh, matched up on that one. So with this album, and for the record, unfortunately, this album is not available on Spotify if you're looking for some of these. Um, do you think this album doesn't get the love that it deserves? Um, I don't have an opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, you know, uh, it's, it, again, that's a really long time ago. I, and, and again, I'd have to look at it again to tell you even what's on the album. You know, Karma Cleansing, believe, was, if I'm being very honest, it was a very confusing time for us because it was right after um, the Voice of Reason record, which was a very confusing moment for us because we had done this Mood Swings album. Um, it started exploding in Japan. It started doing really well in Europe. Everything was going really well. We were like, holy f people like our music. This is cool. And then we were like, we were just in this really creative mindset. And we were like, influenced by the things around us in a very natural way. I mean, we were starting to listen to, like I said, things like Alice in Chains and bands like that. And we went heavier and we went darker. We followed the muse and we, you know, we lost the plot for the fans that we had just got. Some of them, but they were like, hey, this isn't the harem scare we liked. We like it when you're happier. We like it when it's more right and we you know there's all these adjectives that got thrown around so um that was a really weird time for us we got a brand new a and r guy in japan and he he basically a and r'd our record in such a way right from the ground up that we knew what we were writing when we wrote it so it was a bit of a and i don't mean this in in a bad way because we're, everything is contrived right everything is you're trying to make some you're trying to make something that's going to connect with people or what's the point what's the job right so at that moment we were we were trying we were chasing something I think so that doesn't come off feeling like a very good record to me if I'm honest it's one of my very least favorites even though I love the song or at least parts of the song rain I think that was a good one and uh, and karma cleansing I just I thought that was a cool track in general it felt very early 90s you know kind of whatever they were calling that at the time alternative rock or whatever but yeah, yeah you know not, not one of my favorites if I'm honest next up is 
Big Bang Theory, released July 5th, 1998. The album had four singles off of that. New Religion, What I Do, Turn Around, and So Blind. New Religion is the one that I went with. It's funny that you mentioned with, with Karma Cleansing how people were talking about, oh, we like you when you sound happy. Big Bang Theory really comes off as a happier record. Yeah. Yeah, we were uh, we were really getting into a power pop phase at that time. Um, you know, it was... Uh, we were, we were influenced by the music that we actually liked. I mean, we tried to incorporate ideas into it, even as far as dumbing down our production a little bit. We wrote that record, the well, at least the essence of that record, uh, the main parts of, and the main ideas of all the songs in about three days, Harry and I. We wanted to do something different. We just approached it very much. It was our first kind of foray into that power pop thing like we really wanted to be that and frankly if we had had more success we would have just gone completely down that road and harem scarum as we all know it post that probably never even would have happened but we just didn't have the success with it so yeah you know we we, uh, we, we flipped uh flipped the switch again and, and re harem scaramized after the rubber days but i get ahead of myself <laughs> too many records jason too many records well i mean like i said 15 of them that's not counting the live ones and the ultimate yeah. collection and the ep uh, and but, the ones we haven't put out yet <laughs> don't forget those <laughs> right but but with yeah. big bang theory what song did you go with for your list oh what did i go with on that one big bang theory i went with so blind i always liked that one that was our first single we had a, we had a kind of a cool video uh, and uh, yeah i just i always dug that song it always stayed in the live set Probably still would be, I, th- I would think, if we were doing an extended set, we'd probably still play that one. I will say from a personal standpoint, uh, that album, f- front to back, is all killer, no filler, as, as a lot of the albums are, at least from my personal standpoint. Um, if you do have a chance to go out and find the CD, trust me, go out and listen to it. But now we get to, as you mentioned, the Rubber Days, 1999, specifically October 26th, and the album Rubber comes out. Now, here in Canada, we just saw it as a band called Rubber that put out an album, but in Harem Sca- or, but in Japan, it was uh, a Harem Scarum album called Rubber. And if you remember, we talked about this back in... Uh, my old medium mixtape podcast days of which I'm going to put the the link to the video on the website itself. But for this album, how w- did the songwriting change approach uh, when you were, when you're putting this album together? Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it changed for this. It really did change uh, when we started, like I said, the big bang theory record, that was kind of our beginnings into this. We just took it all the way with our, with the next record. And realistically to say our approach changed, no, just, just what we were shooting at. I mean, we are always trying to, I mean, our only goal ever is to write what we consider to be the best songs we can write. You know what I mean? Like that's literally the only goal every time. And as producers, it's just, how are we going to present this to the peoples? Like, how are we going to, you know, are we going to dress it up like a harem scarum song? Are we going to put tons of backup vocals and the guitars on it? Or are we going to dumb it down, you know, take the gain down on the guitars, only do a few tracks? And, you know, that's what we did with Rubber, basically. We did definitely change, um, you know, the songs were a lot lighter and we were going for something. We were, you know, we were pissed off about, not pissed off, but we were, we were just like, sick of just being you know our, the, the ship had sailed for us rock had rock had left the building and it was like nirvana and whatever was going on was going on and we still wanted to be part of the music business so we basically said you know what if we f- changed our name and we and we just made a new record and no one knew it was us they'd like it 
<laughs> so that's basically what we did in Canada because we wanted to do something in Canada, right? We were still, we were flying all over and playing Japan and playing Europe and doing stuff like that. But we were just like, we still wanted a career in Canada. So we, and the States, obviously. So obviously this is the music that was permeating in the States as well at the time or power pop or whatever you want to call it from the late nineties. But um, so we decided to, you know, we wrote some songs that we felt strong about, especially like Sunshine was the big one. We got Arnold Laney to produce it, and we went out. And after being after years of being ignored, when Canada didn't know it was us, we had our first top forty hit. <laughs> so it was like we kind of proved our point in a way. And but it was a weird time. We were at the end of our deal with Warner, and that's a whole other story. But um, yeah, so it was just a different time. We just wanted to. We were just following the muse, man, like we always did, just to our own detriment sometimes. But we just have always done whatever the we wanted <laughs> that's kind of what we've always done even when people didn't like it and we still will it doesn't matter <laughs> we don't do this uh, for any reason other than it amuses us and it's uh, you know and we, uh, we appreciate the people that still listen to it so now personally off this album I went with stuck with you but if there's a song off this album that's on your list which one is it uh, you know it's 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 hard to say I mean uh, I went with uh, I went with sunshine because it's it's still it's we went with it as the first single that's why a lot of times I go with the first singles because I truly do believe they're the best songs on the records and that's just my opinion but and sometimes it's different or whatever but this time I definitely went with sunshine Next up was the only other rubber album called Ultra Feel, released February 28th, 2001. I personally went within the end, uh, but for Ultra Feel for you, uh, which one did you go with? Um, I went with, uh, what was it called? It was the, uh, where is it? Uh, oh, Over the Edge. Yeah, Over the Edge. I feel, I just always felt that that was the strongest written song on that record. That record felt a little, very confused to me in the end, especially like, I thank you very much for uh, picking in the end. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, me singing in a harem scarum kind of situation, that just doesn't really work. And, you know, that was our last record with Warner. It was all kinds of sh- stuff going on. Like, yeah, that's a super weird one for me. I don't really, <laughs> but like I said, I haven't listened to that record probably since the day I made it. So. Now, the album actually starts with a, uh, a cover of a squeeze song, Another Nail in My Heart. How did that one come about? Ooh, is that on that record? That should have been my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've changed my idea. Uh, no, that one, we just love Squeeze. They were one of those power pop bands, early power pop bands that just, uh, you know, their songwriting was always so great and everything was great about them. And we just, we wanted to just cover that track. I think there was something else involved. I think there was... A reason potentially we did it for something in Japan. I can't really remember what it was, but, uh, but yeah, we just always really liked the track and we were definitely going down that road at that time. So we did it. Now, before we go on to the the rest of the albums, I want to take a second here and talk to you a little bit about Smoke and Ashes. Again, we, we talked about uh, your your country duo uh, the last time we talked on Made You a Mixtape, uh, but how are things going with Smoke and Ashes? Uh, well, things have been going slow <laughs> because they do. And, uh, you know, it's COVID, winter, you name it. Like every reason there could be. I've, I've been busy with this. Oh, sorry. I've been busy with the, uh, that was Harry Yes, actually. Isn't that funny? <laughs> um, been busy with the uh, 30th anniversary mood swings thing. Like there's just been a lot going on. And frankly, I'm working on a solo project as well. I've got a bunch. I've got like six tunes done for my own 
country project as well. So um, there's lots happening though. We're we're taking uh, we're taking a few uh, steps to move Smoke and Ashes forward. Uh, we're going to be doing some acoustic shows. We're going to be doing some things and just making music, man. Making music all the way around. Well, let's pick it back up in 2002 in the release of Weight of the World, released on March 25th of that year in Japan and then October 22nd in Canada of that year. Uh, I went with If You, but for Weight of the World, what did you go with? I went with Weight of the World. It is a, a killer title track. What What is it about that one that, that stands out? Um, I There was a couple things that I've always really liked. Again, I'll, sometimes it's the way things connect for me live, but I just, I love the guitar riff in it. It just, it had power. I like the weird major to minor creepy little intro thing. Um, yeah, I just thought it, it just, it was a standout tune. Again, first single, the reason we named the, the album after it is probably the first song we wrote for it. A lot of times that's what happens too, right? The first idea that you go, oh, this feels like Aram Scarum. This feels like something people are going to get. You know what I mean? When those come around, those are always strong standout songs for me. And half the time, they literally end up being the first song in the record. I don't know why I keep saying literally, but I do. <laughs> I, I will say, in going through the full discography again, uh, the first four songs seemingly on every album are completely like right up there was with some of the best do you find like when you're putting the albums together and you're coming up with the song list uh do you find you front loaded or do you try and disperse like how how does the song order for the albums co- you know come into play when you're putting the the finished product together well things have really changed like obviously because music is, is um you know is listened to in such a different way these days it's not really listened to as an album anymore but uh in the old days yeah we you would always kind of front load it like our kind of philosophy has always been hit them with something that they're going to like. It's going to be, you know, energetic and heavy, get them in, let them know what the album is about, kind of give them, you know, our first one, we try to make it the, the feel of the album basically. And then, you know, then we hit them with something else that we feel strongly about. And then usually the third or the fourth is usually the first single. If there's, if there's such a thing these days, especially for a band like us, we don't release singles. So you know, but that's, um, that's pretty much how it used to work anyway. We would, and then, you know, then you bring it down and you do a ballad then you kind of bring it back up, but you gotta have, you gotta have good songs throughout. I mean, I think a lot of people front loaded records cause they only had half the record half the time, right? Ourselves included. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? A lot of us uh, shouldn't be, should we should, we were making singles even when we thought we were making records because <laughs> songs weren't worth recording in the first place, but Hey, I digress. That's, uh, that's just my thought. We now move on to the September 15th, 2003 release of Higher. Uh, I personally went with Give It To You, but, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is now as you guys are with Frontiers Records. Um, how was the label change in going to Frontiers for you guys? Uh, it was great. It was it was Frontiers at that time. I can't even remember, honestly. I can't remember if we started with Frontiers or we... I know it was Frontiers in Europe. We were working with uh, with Marquis Avalon in, in Japan still. So that was... Uh, or we started working with Marquis Avalon there. So it was a couple of different labels. So, But it was great because... In, on Warner, which was nice, you know, we were on Warner and the people on Warner were cool to us when we'd go to Japan and we'd go to Europe. They were engaged and they were cool, but we were just, we were signed in Canada and, and everyone here cared about all the current happening bands and Terram Scare wasn't on anybody's radar. So it was, it was kind of useless in some ways being signed here, especially, you know what I mean? So uh, it was fun to get on a label that got what we were doing, did what we were doing musically as, as much as it was a smaller label. They, they were, 
dialed into our fan base and the people that liked our so it just it made sense it felt good it felt like uh it felt like you know right sizing is what happens not downsizing so off of higher which song did you go with um, I was I was torn. I, I I picked higher because I I think it's probably the best just at song for song value on the record, and I also put weighted because I just always like that. And uh, personally, with higher as well, there there's a lot of harmonies in that one, as there are with most of the songs through the entire discography. So you know, one of the the big things that I've I've always noticed with Harem Scarum songs, you know, big chorus phenomenal harmonies um how is that you know that recording process you know when when you're dealing with the vocals well um i am the dude who deals with the music and generally harry's recording the vocals at his studio and it's 90 percent, well 100 percent usually unless there's guests around it it's harry and darren it's just the two of them i don't do any vocals on the records i sing live but that's it um and the uh, all the all the vocals are done just harry and darren in a studio together Next up is May 17th, 2005, and the release of Overload. This one was tough for me because originally I was like, oh, yeah, no, let's go with Dagger. I ended up actually going with Afterglow, and I know Dagger has kind of been a bit of a live staple when uh, when you guys were playing live, but what did you go with for Overload? Um, I went with Don't Come Easy. Okay. Uh, how come? I don't know. It was just, <laughs> I, literally, I literally looked through the songs because I'm saying again, I haven't listened to that record since... The last time I heard one of those songs was some time we played it live. It's not like I listen to our records once they're done. So uh, I just had I looked through the list and I went, which ones of these do I even remember? And then I started singing the ones I remember. Oh, I like that one. And that was it. So that's why. <laughs> It's why I picked that. It's funny you say you you know you you don't listen to the albums once they're done and whatnot. So you know when Harem Scarum was playing live, uh, how did the uh, you know the set list come about? Well, you know, I mean. We've when you've been around as long as we have and have as many albums, it's it becomes pretty clear what the fan favorites are, especially from the earlier records, which generally are the fan favorites anyway. I mean, you know, not to be hard on even on ourselves, like we've hung in, I guess, for a reason. People still like what we're doing now, but um, you know, it it just becomes obvious, and we have our favorites too. Obviously, like every time we put out a record. Uh, we were ready to go out and play uh, from the Change the World record, right? Right before COVID hit. And, you know, we knew, we already knew what we were going to play off it because this is a single, this is our next favorite, this one rocks, that's it, you're done. And especially when you've got, you know, 15 or 16, 15 albums, like, it's it's hard to make a set list because all the songs you maybe want to play, not usually, but the songs you maybe want to play aren't the ones the fans want to hear. I don't really want to go out and play with a little love, frankly. I don't ever again, but you know, I will because that's what makes a concert fun. You're there for the fans, right? You're there for the people that still give about your music. So do you want to play what makes you happy or do you want to play what makes them happy? You know, it's a bit of a toss up some days. Next up was the November 2011, 2006 in Japan and January 12, 2007 in Canada release of Human Nature. The album actually hit the number 54 on the Japanese album charts. Uh, I went with Caught Up In Your World, one of those mid-tempo songs you said you liked earlier. Uh, but for Human Nature, what song did you go with? I went with Caught Up In Your World as well. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a phenomenal song, like, all the way through. And again, you know, the guitar line, the the the, the harmonies in it, like... 
how like when you're going you know looking at these later albums yes the earlier albums got more radio play uh, back then but these albums really feel like you know the 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 songwriting was was there and you you finally found your groove um when you record when you look at these later albums what's your your hindsight look at the songwriting process uh, well, I mean, it's really funny, man. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty weird and hard on ourselves some days, but we still, we, we haven't got to the point yet where I think we figured it out, <laughs> but, uh, but thank you for saying that. Um, you know, there's moments, right? There's always moments. There's, um, there's always things you're like, oh, that's cool. That's really good. Especially when you don't remember, like I literally don't remember if I could go through, uh, if I had to sit through these albums top to back, I would be surprised by what I heard because, you know, once you do it, it's just, it's, it's past. And, um, at, le- at least for a lot of this stuff. And when there's so much material, you just can't, I mean, I don't even listen to rock music, never mind my own rock music. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, uh, so it is always very strange when you go back and listen to them, but to be totally honest, I don't think we had at least aspects of it. I, I just think we just, I like to think we keep growing and hopefully getting better at our craft is all I'm really saying <laughs> in a silly way. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Next up is the album Hope, released June 25th, 2008 in Japan, July 4th in Europe. The album hit number 79 on the Japanese charts. I personally went with Dark Times, but for Hope, what song ends up on your list? Time Bomb. I think it was just always the riff, the little off-timeness of it. It's uh, There was just something about it. It was the first song for that record. Um, it was one of those things. And again, that's a weird record, too. That was our Ender record. We were kind of hanging it up at that point, which we thought was permanent, so... Um, we were all kind of checked out a little bit, I think. I don't think it's maybe some of our best work. Um, I think, again, stylistically, sometimes we walk the line between trying to make fans that we know love uh, the first and second record and, and you know, ourselves happy, right? We kind of walked that line, and I, I don't think we were doing the best job of it at that time. But uh, it is what it is, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a body of work. Next, we had to wait six years for the release of 13, released October 5th in 2014. You mentioned with Hope that it felt like you guys were, were hanging it up, and now all of a sudden you're back in the studio. Um, how was how that? Like, after you said, okay, we're, we're separated, we're, we're still all good friends and whatnot, but, but now to come back with 13, how, you know, how was it getting back in the studio? Um, well, it was great. I mean, uh, and again, to say back in the studio is a weird one for us because we live in the studio. It's all we ever do, right? <laughs> I mean, we don't ever even get in a room together usually to do, we, other than we get together when we do drums and then we would go our separate ways and fetch the record. Um, but uh, it was great. I mean, it, the, the thing is, we quit because we were unmotivated. We quit in 2008 because we were just done. I didn't have any more guitar ideas. That I was getting into country guitar at the time. 
Um, I just didn't, I felt like I said everything I wanted to say on a guitar in rock. I just, I, I was just burnt out from it all. And, you know, and, uh, and after we, we got together and we did the, the tour and the mood swings thing and all that, it was like, man, there's still people out there that give a shit about this. Like, okay. You know, and then we kind of regroup mentally and we're like, okay, let's kick around some ideas. And after I was so inspired actually after, um, after that, after that whole tour and just reconnecting with fans that just after like whatever it was, a five or six year hiatus, eight years, whatever you said, like a, a big hiatus, they're still there, man. They're still there. We did a, like a basically like a mini world tour and, and we just went, yeah, okay, let's see if we can come up with some ideas. And we wrote some stuff and we were like, okay, this sounds like Scaram. This has some fire again. And, and, uh, and yeah, and we just plugged back in and that was basically the beginning of where we're at now. So on my list for that, for the 13 album, I've got All I Need. Uh, what song did you go with and why? Uh, on 13, I went with Garden of Eden. Which was, correct me if I'm wrong, the first video single off of that album. Uh, so going into that and get, you know getting the videos out there, um, how, how is that song? Because I know it kills live. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, for the Scarum thing, there, have, there has to be some of those songs that are just kind of the fist pumpers and you know and uh and they're always they're always my favorite and that one again was one of the first ones um written for that record and it just you know it just kind of defined the sound of the record the vibe the fun a little bit of crazy guitar going on nuts but you know just eh, i don't know it's just like i said certain songs encapsulate records and and that's uh, to me that's why they end up being the singles most of the time or whatever and that just happened 2017 saw the release of the album United. Uh, I went with Bite the Bullet, but what song off of that one made your list? United. It is. It's, a, it's an absolutely killer song. Um, it's silly. It's really silly is what it is, but it's fun. <laughs> Do you find that when you're you know, when you're writing the songs and you sit there and say, okay, this feels like the first single, this feels like a, like a, like a big song off it. Do you find that you're naming the albums after the songs that stand out. Um, well, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, it's hard when they don't match. Like if you have a great, a great song title, that would be a great album title, but it's, but you know, it's just like, it's song number nine. Right. So it's, you would never do that, but yeah, when they work, when it works out, it works out. And something like um, United worked out great because it just, it's an open concept. It's, it was a key song, whether it was a single or not. I mean, it was a key song for us in our minds, the first thing I wrote for that record as well, like musically. And, um, you know, it just kind of set the stage for it. So it just, sometimes it makes sense. And sometimes it doesn't. We finally come to the last album that was been released for Harem Scarum 2020s change the world. Now, I personally went with no man's land because as a bassist, I just absolutely love the bass groove in that one. But what song did you go with for change the world? The bass in that is my buddy, Justin, I believe, Justin, uh, Justin Cutting. Uh, he's fantastic. He guessed it on that track. Uh, just killed it. Um, my, uh, my favorite, I went with, uh, I just went with The Death of Me. So that album comes out, the pandemic hits, all the touring plans are scrapped. Do, do you feel kind of deprived of, of not being able to play those songs live because of everything shutting down? Oh, God, completely. We were supposed to do Sweden Rock. It was our first time ever we were going to do the Sweden Rock Festival. It was like, was a huge disappointment when that happened. We were pretty, we're pretty pumped on that record, you know. Everybody seemed to be ready for it, and then just the whole world shut down. It's just like, well, that's good timing. 
<laughs> well, we're not the only ones. Apparently, it's it hit a lot of people a whole lot worse than us. So, but yes, to answer your question, it was a real drag. You get to go and play those tunes and tour that record, but such is life. Okay, so now that we've come to the end of the run, before we get to our our one song above all. I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to ask. Oh, I know you've got your solo album that you're working on. Will we ever get another Harem Scarum record? Well, that's um, always a possibility. I mean, we are uh, we're kind of focused on a few other things right now. I mean, we're um, I mean, as Harem Scarum, we're doing this 30th anniversary thing where we're booking some shows for the fall. Actually, we're going to be playing again. And we have a record that we still haven't toured at all. So I think our focus for the next little bit, um, there's, there's, there's other than like recording wise, we also did five new um, bonus tracks that we did for that uh, special anniversary package thing. So there's four reimagined acoustic versions of, uh, of stuff off Mood Swings as well there. So that's the most recent recording we've actually done. But I think we know that it's, it's always the same with us. It's like when the ideas are good enough, and we'll write a harem scarum song right now i'm playing guitar riffs and i'm going yeah i've done that before yeah i've heard that before yeah. you know what i mean so it's not time yet it's just i just don't have anything to offer yet so <laughs> but but we want to keep the scarum train rolling because we're we're enjoying it we're starting to get in that headspace where it's like yeah man you know everyone's going out playing and doing let's just go do that so we're gonna we're gonna take take it out a bit and, you know play the classics play play fan favorites maybe play a couple of the new ones whatever just see what happens and focus on uh, focus on our our air quote legacy albums <laughs> when you're <laughs> when you got 30 30 years of albums behind you crazy crazy all right, so now comes time to pick that just that one song. So I'm just going to go through my list here and and choose my kind of one above all, and then I'll get you to do the same thing. So for me, it went Hard to Love, Saviors Never Cry, And That's All, Karma Cleansing, New Religion, Stuck With You, In The End, If You, Give It To You, Afterglow, Caught Up In Your World, Dark Times, All I Need, bite the bullet and no man's land but if i had to pick one and this is tough because there's a couple here where i'm just like you know if anyone ever asked me oh i've never heard him scare him you know i would toss them one of these songs but i think i'd probably have to go with saviors never cry but it's really tough to pick that over new religion but uh for you just recap the list and if there's one song that stands out from all of them which one is it Okay, well, my list was Distant Memory from the first album, If There Was a Time from Mood Swings, Blue from Voice of Reason, Karma from Karma Cleansing, Big Bang Theory was So Blind, Rubber was Sunshine, Ultra Feel was Over the Edge, Weight of the World was Weight of the World, Higher was Weighted or Higher, Overload was Don't Come Easy, Human Nature was Human Nature, Hope was Time Bomb, 13 was Garden of Eden, uh, United was United and Change the World was Death of Me. And now, it, see, this is this is where it gets weird, though. If I think if I had to pick, if I had to say to somebody, I play in this band called Harem Scarum, and if you want to know what we're about, I think I'd actually, right now, I'd play them to death of me. Really? Because, A, I love that song. Um, do you find, though, that, you know, in looking back at and just doing the math here, 32 years of studio album releases, do you find you're connecting more with the newer songs as opposed to the older ones? 
Well, I, like I said, I, I think it really depends on what you're thinking, right? Like if I put myself in the headspace of here's a person who's never heard Harem Scarum, do I want to play them something from the, the you know, the first record that's going to sound like it was born in 1980 or whatever? Like, no, like I'm just thinking like what gets the idea of what Harem Scarum is across, but is, is, sounds like a modern version of it because to me like i said and i i actually kind of mean it not that i think that we've written our necessarily the best of our best in the last on the last albums but i kind of do feel that way if i'm totally honest though i think we got really lucky on some some stuff early on like the, the mood swings album there's some good ones on but i think overall if i had to pick one that i would play somebody right now it would probably be the death of me because it still sounds like scarum like everything is still there there's big backup vocals. It's rocking. It's detuned. There's a silly guitar solo. Like it's got everything that's in a harem scarum song, but it doesn't sound like 1992. You know what I mean? So I think that's why. And that's maybe just me as an artist. It doesn't mean I'm saying I even think it's necessarily the best song we've ever written. But right now, if I were to play a tune for somebody that would encapsulate what harem scarum is, has been, and maybe in the future, I would play them that song. That's a long-winded way to answer your question. <laughs> Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show. Now, uh, fans right now, if you go to harumscarum.net, you're going to see uh, the the 30th anniversary vinyl release of Mood Swings. Pete, can you tell us a little bit about the vinyl? Um, it's purple. I can tell you that. It's the first <laughs> time it's been out. And it's, uh, yeah, apparently, I don't know a whole lot about vinyl. Apparently, it's a very high-quality vinyl um, product as far as the actual uh, record. And it's it's part of a larger package as well. This is kind of, you know, this is kind of the deluxe sort of set. So there's a poster. There's a, there's the CD. There's an actual CD. There's the vinyl. Like I said, it's never been released. There's some stickers, coasters, and stuff like that, all kinds of stuff. And it comes in some really cool packaging so if you're a fan it's definitely uh definitely a cool thing and when can we expect the uh, the new solo album you're working on well i'm going to start releasing singles really as soon as possible i mean i don't know that there's going to be an album per se it's just not the way things work and and really let's be honest like you know harem scarum fans i don't necessarily think of uh, any large proportion of or portion of them are going to enjoy Pete Lesperance as a, as a country singer. So <laughs> it is what it is, man. I mean, it's, it, I, I'm a musical guy and I, I, my heart is definitely divided in different places and I like to follow them all. So anyway, uh, it's coming out really soon. You'll be able to find it. It'll be on Spotify. It'll be on all the usual places. I'll be talking about it on my socials and uh, I'll be doing some acoustic shows. I'll be doing some stuff, you know, just getting some out there and making some music. By the way, if you are into uh, Pete's solo stuff, you can find both Down In It and Fade Into Stars, his two solo albums, they're on Spotify as well. Uh, please, by all means, listen to the Harem Scarum discography. Listen to Harry's solo albums, to Pete's solo albums, because there is a, a wealth of phenomenal music if you love great guitar riffs, great harmonies, and catchy, catchy, catchy choruses. Pete, thank you so much for this. Where can uh, our listeners find Harem Scarum? Yeah, we're in all the usual places, you know, Facebook, Instagram, um, HaremScarum.net, as you mentioned, is usually good for some information. Uh, yeah, pretty much all the standard places you can find us. 
Pete has been an absolute pleasure going through the entire studio discography of Harem Scarum. And to you, our listeners, thank you for listening. Now, be sure to go thank to... Thank you very much for listening to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, I've, I've been binging like all the albums in preparation for this for this recording. So it has been you know a, a wonderful trip down, you know, really a collection that... You know, and I'll be honest, ever since the first album, you know, it's been, if Harem Scarum has a new album out, I'm going out to try and find it. So, Pete, thank you for putting out all of these albums. Oh, thanks, Jason. That's very sweet, man. Now, to you, our listeners, be sure to go over to our website at Not That Badcast, where you can find all the be- all the episodes of this show, as well as It's Not That Bad, our movie podcast. Pete, again, thank you so much. To our listeners, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at OnlyOneCast. Until next time, this is There Can Only Be One. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.